And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we pray this morning as we approach your word that you would fill us again with wonder. Uh, Not just the wonder of a virgin giving birth, not just the wonder of angels appearing in the night sky or of a mysterious star, but wonder at a God who loved us so much that he would send his son on a rescue mission. Thank you, in Jesus' precious name, amen. Uh, One of the things that I love about the holidays is having family together, obviously, and sharing stories. That's one of the things that I think families do when they get together again. They, they share stories of years past, Christmas past, just fun things that they, they remember. Uh, whenever we're together, we're going to talk about the stories from when Luke went through his I'm a hip-hop dancer phase. Uh, so, uh, some stories are fun like that. Some stories can be emotional. We almost always relive the stories of The Christmas that was probably the worst Christmas in our family when my wife was sick as a dog and pregnant and in the hospital. And I was, while she was up in the, her room, I was down in the emergency room with Caleb, who was also sick as a dog. And so we just, you know, why, I don't know why we want to relive that moment, but we retell those stories. Some stories are fun. Some stories can be emotional Some stories are just full of meaning. And that's what we have in Matthew chapter 2 this morning. Yes, Matthew chapter 2, not Luke chapter 2. The Advent candle reading was from Luke 2. Something that Bob and I decided this year was that we weren't going to follow the Advent candle reading. We were doing something different. It was planned, we just didn't tell anybody. So... I'm not preaching from the wrong text, I promise you. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew tells us this story. It's definitely not a funny story. It's emotional, but he doesn't tell it to pull at our heartstrings. Now, 
he tells it because he wants us to know Jesus. And this story tells us a lot about who Jesus is. So if you have a Bible, Matthew chapter 2, I will read a portion of that story, starting in verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them uh, where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them the time when the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures... They offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed their own, they departed to their own country by another way. The story is one that is absolutely full of meaning. What do we see here? Well, first, Matthew wants us to see that Jesus is the fulfillment. In verse chapter 1, we're told that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Being born in Bethlehem, Jesus fulfills Old Testament prophecy. Bethlehem was small but significant. Uh, Estimates about the population of Bethlehem at the time ranged from 300 to 3,000 people living in the town. So there is likely more people living in your neighborhood than there was in Bethlehem. But it was an extremely significant town. That is where Rachel, the wife of Jacob, the mother of two of the tribes of Israel, was buried. It is where David, King David, was born, so that Bethlehem became known as the city of David. And it was from this small town that the prophet Micah said one would be born who would rule over Israel and shepherd God's people, the Messiah. So Jesus being born in Bethlehem is fulfillment of this Old Testament prophecy. But in verse 1, we're also introduced to this group of wise men. And as Adam said, probably more than three and not kings. They were... 
pagan priests, prophets, astrologers, astronomers, magicians, some combination of that, but that doesn't really sing very well, so we three kings. And they have come from the east, Babylon or Persia, following a great star that is leading them to baby Jesus. There's been a lot of speculation about what this star was. Was it a conjunction of planets, Jupiter and Saturn? That did happen. It was recorded in 7 BC. Was it a a supernova that was noticed by Chinese and Korean astrologers in 5 BC? Was it an angel guiding the wise men, the magi? I don't know. But I do know that Matthew is highlighting this Because it's a fulfillment of a prophecy taken from Numbers chapter 24, where the pagan prophet Balaam says a star would come out of Judah and a scepter will rise out of Israel. This pagan prophet prophesies and these pagan priests are following that star to find Jesus. Fulfillment. There's other points of fulfillment that Matthew are highlighting that aren't necessarily prophecies. In verse 18, the the cry that goes out of those suffering under Herod is seen as the fulfillment of Jeremiah 31. That Jesus goes down into Egypt and comes out is seen as fulfillment of Hosea chapter 11. Matthew is making a very intentional point in this story that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. Not just miscellaneous prophecies here and there, but the prophecies, the symbolism, the whole story of Israel itself is taken up and fulfilled in Jesus. All that God was promising, all that God was doing, his work, his goals, all converge in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment But Matthew also wants us to know that Jesus is the true king. I've wondered before how many great high school athletes get missed by college recruiters because they're born in places like Medora, Indiana, and they play high school basketball or volleyball at Medora High School. You say, well, what do you have against Medora? Absolutely nothing. I've probably driven through it. I don't know. But I know that the high school has 86 students total. And college recruiters are probably not going to the basketball game between Medora High School and Shoals. Right? So a lot of great talent can just get missed because of where they were born. Matthew doesn't want us to miss Jesus' royalty. Yes, he was born in a backwater town, in a manger. His crib was not gold and silk, but a feeding trough. So you might not recognize him as king. But Matthew makes it clear, this child was born the true king. The magi come and they're asking, while they're in Jerusalem, where is born the king of the Jews. That's who they're looking for. Herod hears this and he, he goes into a frenzy, not like Anna from last week. He goes in a frenzy telling everybody about Jesus. 
He goes into a frenzy because he's scared. He knows he's not a true king. He's a false king. He is a usurper, a puppet king at best. And now the true king of the Jews has been born and he's scared. So he asks his priests and the scribes, where will the Messiah be born? And they answer by quoting Micah chapter 5. In Bethlehem of Judah, out of Bethlehem will come a ruler that will shepherd God's people. Matthew wants us to know that Jesus is king of the Jews, but he is a significant figure that his significance spreads beyond the boundaries of Israel. He's a king of Jew and Gentile alike. The Magi are not Jewish. They're from the east. And they come and they recognize Jesus as the king giving gifts that are fitting a king, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This passage, this story, echoes 1 Kings chapter 10, when the queen of Sheba comes to Solomon and brings him gold and spices and precious gems. And it points us ahead to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. Points us ahead to the time when not just those of faithful Jews will bow But every knee will bow before Jesus, and every tongue confess. In this story, we see a great contrast between Herod king and Jesus king. Herod was appointed by Rome, appointed by man. And he was a cruel king who reigned in fear Whatever peace he brought to the land was the peace of a tyrant, peace absent justice. But Messiah, which means the anointed one, is not anointed or appointed by man, but by God, and he brings a kingdom of true peace and justice. But Matthew doesn't want us to see Jesus just as another earthly king, He wants us to see Jesus as worthy of worship. The wise men come and they say, where is born the king of the Jews so that we might worship him? And when they come and they find Mary and the baby Jesus, or the child Jesus, it says they fell down and worshipped him. I don't usually have beef with the NIV version of the translation, but the NIV says bowed. You know, this is a bow. It's polite. That's not the picture we're given here. They fell down on their knees, fell down prostrate, and worshiped Jesus. It is certainly interesting to ask how much did these magi know? I don't know, but we know more. I'm confident of that. We know more of who Jesus is and what he has come to do. If they worshiped, how much more ought we worship Jesus, the true king? If Jesus' kingship is contrasted with Herod, this scene of worship is meant to contrast The Magi's response with those priests and scribes. Herod asks them, where is the king of the Jews going to be born? And they know it's Bethlehem. But none of them go seeking Jesus. 
Jesus is the true king who is worthy of worship. Matthew also wants us to see Jesus, though a child, is feared by hell itself. June 6th is a day, 1944, is a day that we learn about in our history classes. It's D-Day, when the Allied forces stormed the beaches of Normandy and Omaha and regained a foothold in Europe during World War II. But five hours before the assault on those beaches, 13,000 paratroopers were dropped in the night behind enemy lines. You know, the soft lights, the warm feelings, the beautiful songs of Christmas. It gives us maybe excuse to miss that the birth of Jesus was an opening salvo in a war. Jesus was dropped behind enemy lines, if you will, and had to run for his life. Run and run and run. In verse 7, we're told that when Herod hears this, he has this plot. He tells the Magi, go and bring news back to me so that I can go and worship. We know that that is a lie. He has murderous intent. The Magi are warned in a dream. Joseph is warmed, warned by an angel. The Magi return by a different route, and Joseph collects his wife and newborn son and flee to Egypt. Bethlehem to Egypt is about an 80-mile trek. When Herod realizes that he has been outsmarted, that the Magi are not coming back, he sends soldiers to kill every son two years old, every boy two years old or younger. You say, oh, that is horrible. It is. It tracks with Herod. Herod executed half of the Sanhedrin, executed his own wife and her mother and three of his sons. On his deathbed, he ordered that all the notable men in Jerusalem be gathered. And when, they, when the announcement of his death was made, all those men were murdered. Caesar once joked that it was safer to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. The slaughter of innocence and this great cry goes up. Revelation 12, never think of that as a Christmas story. But Revelation 12 peels back the curtain and gives us insight into what is happening behind the scenes of history. And you get this grand vision. This grand vision of a woman clothed in the sun, standing on the moon, luminous, crowned with 12 stars. And she's pregnant. And she cries out in pain to give birth. And John says, and there was a second sign in the heavens. A great red dragon, ready to devour the child the moment he is born. So kids, if you want to go home and make your nativity set more accurate, find a red toy dragon and seat it right up on the top there. <laughs> Ask your parents first. <laughs> the point is that Jesus comes and he is dropped behind enemy lines and Satan motivating Herod and 
all evil intends to destroy him before he can accomplish his work. And so he runs and he runs and he runs. Jesus is our king, but he starts his life as a refugee king. He goes to Egypt, and out of Egypt he eventually returns when Joseph gets word that Herod has died. Matthew wants us to see that Jesus is our great deliverer. Because this movement up out of Egypt, Matthew says, is fulfillment of Hosea chapter 11. Hosea chapter 11 refers to Egypt, uh, Israel coming up out of Egypt in the Exodus. As Israel was God's son, so Jesus is God's true son. And as Moses led his people out of Egypt in the Exodus, so Jesus will lead his people in a new Exodus, away from an oppressor that is far worse than Pharaoh, a, deep, a deeper slavery to sin and to death. Jesus is our great deliverer. The hymn writers have it right. Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. Jesus comes to deliver. Uh, Matthew wants us to see all these things, that Jesus is fulfillment, that Jesus is king, that Jesus is to be worshipped, but he is feared by hell itself because he comes to deliver. That's what Matthew wants us to know in this story. But what does he want us to do? Matthew isn't writing for Encyclopedia Britannica. He's writing a gospel that calls for response. What does he want us to do? First, the call comes to seek Jesus as the Magi did. This was no short, casual trip for those wise men coming from the east. The trek was probably 900 miles through desert over rough terrain. Dangerous, difficult, and worth it. The wise men were coming to seek Jesus, and wise men and women still search for Jesus. If you have questions about who Jesus is, dig, search, pray that God will open your eyes and enlighten your mind. Search for Jesus. But we're also called to worship Jesus as the Magi did. I think this is an important Christmas application because Christmas tomorrow will be squandered if you don't worship Jesus. Have fun with the gifts and the trees and the cookies. But the call is to come and to kneel ourselves down and worship the true and eternal King. Wise men and women search for Jesus, and wise men and women worship him, offering their best to Jesus. The final thing that I think we ought to do in response to this is thank God. Thank God that he sought us in Jesus. Seek Jesus like the Magi did is a, a great sermon conclusion. And to be honest, in my first draft, that's where it ended. 
But the wonder of this story is not that some pagans from a far-off land came to give their gifts to Jesus. The wonder of this is that God was seeking pagans from a far-off land to come and worship Jesus. They sought only because they were first sought after. God enlightened their minds, gave them the star to guide them to Jesus. That is the wonder. That God was seeking us in Jesus. Jesus sent on a tremendous rescue mission to seek and to save the lost. So this Christmas, seek Jesus, worship Jesus, and thanks be to God that he has sought us in Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this story of the Magi. Uh, We thank you that it reminds us that you are universally significant not just for the few hundred people gathered in this room, not just for those gathered in Christian churches across the world, but one day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are the true king and worthy of all worship. Father, we pray that you would make our hearts inclined to seek and to worship you. Thank you for seeking us. In Jesus' name, amen.